Welcome to Safe Radio, offering hope, health, and healing in these challenging times. My name is Ann Bergen, co-host of this series of programs, joined by Jim Derrick, a founder of the Safe Coalition and creator of this series of broadcasts. The mission of Safe is to support individuals and families who are living with the painful consequences of substance misuse. A coalition that began with a few determined, dedicated individuals has grown to become one of the leading forces in confronting this epidemic, serving 12 communities, providing services, education, advocacy, erasing stigma, and most importantly of all, letting people know you are not alone. We are here for you. Jim knows firsthand that it is the families who suffer right along with their loved ones who are desperately in need of comfort, support, and hope. SAFE is responding to that need under Jim's careful stewardship. As an educator for many years, the mental and emotional health of our young people has become a major cause of concern for me. We must intervene earlier to address the emotional wounds that so many of our kids are living with. Substance misuse is one symptom of the pain, but the anxiety and depression underlying substance misuse is also eased by cutting, through eating disorders, vaping, screen time addiction, gambling, and too often harm to oneself or others. Attention to the emotional health and well-being of our young people has become a pillar of SAFE. We are so grateful for the guests who are willing to share their stories, their insights, their passion, and their determination to make a difference. It is cliche to say it takes a village, but cliche or not, it is true. Service for the public good is eroding in the face of incivility and intolerance, but we cannot ignore the pain and suffering of our fellow citizens and call ourselves a community. How many have to die before we say enough is enough? Our guest today is a caring community member who knows that village cliche is real and is determined to be one of the villages who wants to be of service. We are grateful for his presence today. Jim, I'll turn it over to you for an introduction. Well, thanks, Ann. I have known this gentleman for a long time. I'm a customer and um, listen to his show on Wednesdays, which is a great program on wine. We are joined here today by the owner of Franklin Liquors, Mark Lindsay. Mark, thanks for coming in. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to be with you today. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Um, Mark, gave us a call to talk about Massachusetts Question 3, which is going to be on the ballot on mm-hmm. November 8th here in Massachusetts. And it is a admittedly very confusing question mm-hmm. to look at. And as usual with questions like this, there are many unintended possibly consequences that may result uh, uh, from either passage or denial of this particular question. And it's really instructive for us to hear from Mark on this issue because it definitely impacts our constituency in a way that concerns us, those of us that occupy the substance misuse prevention 
right. field. And it's something we're really actively involved with. As you know, Ann, we're, we sit together on the, on the Franklin Substance Misuse uh, Task Force through under the leadership of the superintendent and the assistant superintendent here in Franklin. There's a lot of work being done, isn't there? Absolutely. By police, schools, fire, trying to prevent underage use of alcohol. And it does take a community, doesn't it? It, it sure means does. that everybody has to be interested and invested and bring themselves to the table to sort of share their ideas and insights about how we can work together to do this and what we need to do as a community. I'm with you, Jim. Yeah, that's on that. exactly right. And and I've known Mark for many, many years. Our kids grew up together and I'm really grateful, Mark, that you're here to break this question down for us. So can you kind of give us an overview of the question as, as messy and difficult as it is for us to understand? Yeah, like you were saying, Jim, it's, it's one of those things when you see these questions that they make it confusing. And even people within the liquor industry don't understand what it means. And it's sad. Um, overall, every year there's a lot of bills that go before the state related to alcohol that no one ever knows about. And there's a lot of deals made with wholesalers, the liquor stores, the supermarkets, convenience stores. And this was kind of a, a deal that was made to kind of safely expand licenses, uh, preventing maybe unlimited licenses. So the, the way you read it, it says convenient and safe way to expand. So a lot of people think, well, you're in the liquor business. Why would you want to expand? It's more competition. It's more exposure. It's, it could be more control issues. But the consensus was this is the best way to safely allow expansion without getting out of control again in the liquor industry. So mm. a mm. lot of people, you, you have to kind of decide what your goal, you know, what your understanding of expansion is. And I think before anybody can decide, we have to know what, as I said before, the unintended consequences may be. Sounds simple enough to me. Um, doesn't sound like I need to pay much attention to it. But we spoke off the air before the program. And, uh, boy, Mark, you make some great points. So can you tell us about your personal position as someone who's occupied this retail space for your whole life? Yeah. Um, what What is your personal position on this? Well, my whole issue is I'm in the business, obviously. So I like hearing from you folks because I want to make sure I'm seeing things the right way. And I'm exposed to a lot of people who have issues. I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's tough to deal with. It's a tough business. People think it's a very you know, lucrative business, but it's also a very sad business that your customers you're serving, you know they might have issues in controlling. We're controlling the numbers right now and limiting saying any business can have nine licenses maximum within the state. So for instance, Franklin Liquors could only have nine owned licenses in the state. Any supermarket, nine in the state. This will expand beer and wine licenses, but limit those full liquor licenses. So it's a control thing. To me, I think it's better we limit the numbers. We're expanding it, but we're limiting the numbers, preventing unlimited numbers. So and, and so if I hear you right, unlimited would mean a Cumberland Farms, for an example, not to pick on any particular retailer, any but, chain, but any, yeah. any yep. chain convenience store would be able to say on a blanket basis with an unlimited license, obviously, I can, I can warehouse and sell uh, liquor, beer and wine statewide. Beer and wine mostly. Beer and wine, okay. Beer and wine mostly, yeah. So there was a push right when COVID hit that the Cumberland Farms chain wanted to put 
a convenience store bill on the ballot, mm-hmm. which you would have saw, but it didn't get uh, enough signatures because it was COVID and there was no one out. Convenience was defined as any store that sold food, and food could be potato chips, like convenience store foods. doesn't mean, you know, supermarket food. And that would have allowed them to have 200-something licenses within the state. So you would have saw that on the ballot as, do you want uh, beer and wine in convenience stores? And you may recall back in 2006, we had a vote, do you want beer and wine in supermarkets? Yes, I do. It was defeated, which was really surprising at the time. It came back in 2011 and passed. So there's a history of these things coming back and back. So this uh, vote, we will expand it, but prevent that unlimited convenience thing to come back again. Mm. So in this case, for you, it's a yes on question three. Yes, yeah. which is confusing because mm-hmm. why would I want to be in the industry want more licenses? Right. But you're preventing that unlimited. Preventing unlimited, which leads to more exposure. Sure. But it, in a conv- I guess they're, they're putting it saying convenient. I would have liked it to say a safety way. At first, when you said we're limiting exposure, I have to admit, Ann, that I was sort of thinking to myself, well, so what? Exposure, what are you talking about? But as you started talking it through, the similarities to tobacco, to retail marijuana, to other things that we limit exposure on started to to appear. And I remember as a little kid staring at the Marlboro Man in Fenway Park. You remember, Mark. We're all old enough to remember. Mm -hmm. And there he was, and man, did he look cool, sitting out there right in front of the scoreboard uh, over the bleachers. And I used to, you know, stare at that and kind of think about it, you know, as a kid. Gee, you know what, maybe I'll steal one of my old man's smokes and and take a drag. It can't be that bad. Exposure is, is, and and you've educated your whole life. Um, We know that it's harmful. That's what that's what w- was fascinating in our conversation before we came on here is the whole idea. I didn't fully understand the idea of exposure and all that, but the idea is that now when you go into stores, parents are bringing little kids in, and they're and that it it's the exposure is is to um, alcohol that is readily out there in in everywhere you look, and and that kids are being exposed to this. Is this how I'm understanding it? Correct. Okay, okay. And to Jim's point about the cigarettes, and I can tell you how I realized the cigarette thing actually was effective, was I had a a customer come in with a a small child and pointed at my uh, shopping baskets, which are stacked in a rack, and on the rack is the Marlboro Man. And the, the kid said, what's that? Who's that? Right? So... Not recognizing that image absolutely means true. the whole cigarette thing. It was very well received, right? I mean, it made an impact. So I'd like to see that with alcohol, but it's going the opposite way. I want to take a minute and remind everybody we are sitting with our guest Mark Lindsay, who's who's the proprietor of Franklin Liquors. I'm with my co-host Ann Bergen. We're on Safe Radio, and we are talking about Question Three, which is a ballot question which will make changes to alcohol retail licensing. It's actually called the Changes to Alcohol Retail Licensing Initiative for 2022. It'll be on the ballot November 8th. Complicated, complicated to read. Hard to understand how this impacts us locally and as parents, importantly. And that's what we're talking about here at SAFE. And Mark is helping us break that down. Mark, I find it really interesting that you would say that you're impacted when you see people that come into your Mm -hmm. store that appear to be negatively impacted by your product. 
oftentimes I've wondered whether or not it impacts you. Um, but clearly it does. You feel a social responsibility. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know. It was a family business, and I was in a medical career for 20 years. Mm. So I saw a lot of death in the medical field. And I, I say to people, you know, I see that impact in a different way being in, in this retailer because you'll see people then you don't see people and you find out they pass away and a lot of times it's related to alcohol mm-hmm. and it's sad it, it's a sad sad thing and a lot of people don't realize that in this business you see things and a lot of times being a small controlled environment you can help those people too you can mm-hmm. s- say things to people you cannot serve those people but if we expand and put this alcohol everywhere, the person at the register 15 is not going to know that that person was just in an, an hour ago. or it, it, They don't know because they could be going different spots. This is it right there. And as Mark was talking about it, I'm thinking about the days. So we're going back to 1978. The drinking age had just turned 18. And I remember standing outside the glass house in Newton. <laughs> That's what we used to call it, I think. Uh, with kids asking me to buy for them. I mean, it was a common thing. What you're talking about is that that unintended consequence of, of putting somebody in an environment, a young, possibly teenage person who's standing at that checkout at Big Y, suddenly that case of booze comes across. One, they're exposed. Two, they don't have the experience. Three, it's aisle 15 out of 20, and there's a manager that runs over, doesn't recognize the customer, there's no personal attention there, and they're handling a product that has not only deep social implications in terms of exposure, but also could have a very negative and harmful effect on somebody um, that's that's purchasing it. So I think I outlined kind of what you were saying. And, And there's many studies in other countries that show the more you see it, it's basically advertising and marketing materials that you're learning, just like the whole cigarette thing. Yeah. And you want to know these brands. You want to you remembering the brands. You want to try those brands, so you can get people hooked by exposure that way. And I'm curious. You you've been in the schools um, for a long time, and and recently we've had a lot of problems at hockey games and sporting events with really intoxicated adults and children. Yeah. I mean, this this problem isn't isn't hasn't gone away. At no, all, and it's it? and it's really interesting that that a couple of questions I was going to ask about that one. When we talk and interview um, people in recovery, so often they talk about starting drinking at a young age, and that's sort of the beginning of it. Oftentimes, when they're often when they're in middle school, but but I know this might be a naive, dumb question, but with with all of the exposure and having much more alcohol out there in stores, in large stores, does it could it lead to more people just pilfering, young kids stealing? An easy way to, to to get the alcohol for the party that night, or to you know for after school drinking, or does it make it easier? Is that a oh, is yeah. that a dumb it's, question? It's or? A bigger stores, uh, less you know control, and a lot of that has to do with this with this bill where they're saying they want to outlaw self checkout. So the one of the things that was trending for younger people was to go into a store, uh, pick up say a six pack, put one can of soda in the six pack, scan the soda. Wow. So it looks like I yeah. bought a six-pack of soda, and you walk out the door with five beers and one soda. Or there's a lot of things where they're being monitored by underage people to self-checkout, and they don't care what the person's scanning, and right. they're putting right. booze in there. So in a smaller controlled store, you've seen what's going on. In the big stores, you're not actually 
having someone seeing that type of stuff. Well, Mark, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about procedures that you um, that you go through at your establishment. I walk in, I'm clearly underaged, or maybe not so clearly underaged. What what do you do? It it gets tough, Jim. The, the more the older I get, the the younger people look. Right, right. right. So, mm-hmm. and a lot of stores have a policy where they card everybody, right. which is totally understandable. Uh, we try to use, you know, common sense on older people, or, or, you know, but uh, younger people is tough. I mean, we just card them. And lately, you know, we're in a college town. We mm-hmm. have to really stop right away and look at what's going on when school starts. Because you always have that one 25-year-old kid who comes into town. He'll have an out-of-state license, which is part of this bill as well. They want to make it legal now to take an out-of-state license, where right now you can't legally take an out-of-state license. But you have to look. Is it a dean student? We won't sell because we know they're going to dean and be around underage children. So you can deny based on your own discretion? You can deny on anything, which people don't, you know, toxication. If I know someone's just been in, I'll say, I don't want to sell because I know you were just here. So we we try to be... You know, good citizens that way. So what's interesting to me is that what you're talking about, first of all, Franklin Liquors, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all they do. If you're in that store, you're not there to buy a loaf of bread. Right. Okay. Right. So we eliminate any any uh, decision as to why somebody may be walking through the retail establishment. So you know that, number one. Number two, it's a closed closed and confined and small environment with employees that all know each other and are similarly trained, okay, on one thing, right, right. on what you're talking about. Right. And number three, I didn't know you had discretion like that. I, I don't know why it never crossed my mind that you, you could deny somebody, but you just outlined the perfect example, that 25-year-old, he comes in and he's buying, a, I don't know, 12 cases of beer and you say to yourself, come on, man, this is this just isn't, he's got a teen college sweatshirt and you have the ability to use your own discretion. All of those things that I just mentioned are completely out the window mm-hmm. with a no on this question going to unlimited sales. Unlimited would, because- I'm sorry, unlimited licenses. There's no impact on that person in a big store, the cashier who has no, they have no stake in the business. Mm-hmm. If I sell to an underage, I lose my, I lose my business. I'm, I'm living week to week on this business. Mm-hmm. So we control it. We take pride in that. Other, you know, bigger stores, they don't, all own that store so it's it's that's a point i I don't know if you don't see it that way but what's that that say that one more time they wouldn't care who they sell to as much as we Mm -hmm. do because they have no stake in the in the game oh i i I absolutely endorse that and i think again it's not because they're bad people it's all you have to look at the motives and why am i here right what am i doing here what's my mission what's my why Uh, for you it's responsibly selling alcoholic beverages to people a that are legally permitted to purchase it and b that you've deemed are people that you want to sell to in that moment and that may change depending on your discretion can i just ask a question this is just more out of curiosity how uh, it is you guys are in such a position that you can lose your livelihood your license if you how how strictly are you monitored for that and and does it um inspections or it's a good it's a great question because honestly you might surprise you, but I think they don't do a good enough job with, with inspections. Now, so there's state inspections and there's town inspections, and the police chief always gets grants to do inspections. And they'll send either different scenarios, underage person in with no ID or an ID that's 
not valid or someone in the pocket lot trying to buy for somebody. But I think we could do a better job mm-hmm. doing that and checking that more. Not just underage buying, but control in stores. You know, how are we exposing? Because there are laws and, and provisions in your license, how you're displaying it and where you're displaying it, mm-hmm. which is often not adhered to. Okay, interesting. For instance, yeah. you know, you're told to keep it within this 1,000 square foot, two aisles, but when you go in the store, it's everywhere. Mm. And that's a violation that nobody really looks at. And that gets back to exposure and where kids, maybe your mother doesn't want to take you down the beer aisle, which is perfectly fine, but why should you see it in the bread aisle? Or why should you see it at the deli? Or why should you see it at the checkout when you're standing there with your child? Good point. So, And we know that exposure works. Ex- meaning that ex- exposure influences right, the mind. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't have advertising. Right. You know, you wouldn't have billboards. I mean, exposure works. And I was talking earlier about the retail cannabis industry, and and one of our biggest objections to the law, which uh, allowed for retail selling, was the exposure issue. And now all you have to do is take a ride down Route One, and every other sign is for retail cannabis. And so what we've got is kids. The messaging is there. You've got CBD on on sh- store shelves almost everywhere. People are, are selling CBD oil. I'm not suggesting CDB oil is going to harm anybody. But what I am suggesting is that the messaging is that to the youngsters that uh, cannabis is perfectly fine for me. I see it on the shelves everywhere. Why wouldn't I want to consume it? I know adults are consuming more cannabis now than ever because anecdotally I hear them talking about, I, I, I chew gummies, you know, I, and I've just seen this increase so much. I'm not suggesting that a, a responsible adult can't enjoy cannabis products if that's what they choose to do. I'm just saying that exposure works. Yep. And so what Mark's talking about is limiting that exposure by voting yes, which sounds weird, but yes on question three will disallow for the time being opening the floodgates to unlimited licenses, which could cause you to have every convenience store or supermarket or you name the chain um, with an unlimited access to selling uh, beer and wine. I have a question just um, not necessarily related to the particular question, but more when you were speaking, and it's really heart-wrenching when you talk about sort of the disease of alcoholism and and that you see it sometimes, and it's heart-wrenching when you see. I was just curious if from your perspective of the time you've been doing the work that you do, have you seen an increase in maybe people coming in? And, and is it, when we step back and look at it, is it a community problem? Because I know some of the people involved with SAFE are really homing in on alcoholism as a, as a huge issue. And I was just wondering, from your perspective, what are you, what are you seeing over the years in terms of, of that issue? This is a really good issue because... Um, my understanding, and you folks can tell me, is if someone has an abuse problem, they're probably not going to the same store all the time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So if we expand, we give more options to people to go, you know, they could go to nine stores in a day instead of That's a two very good point. So yeah. I know if someone's coming in my store, because I'm working 12 hours a day, chances are you're going to get me at the counter. But that's one thing, expansion unlimited expansion without control is is bad because you're giving more venues for people to I go to. I never thought of that. Yeah. 
you know, you could be talking just in this town about quadruple, quadrupling, and I think I'm understating it, if you went to unlimited licenses, the opportunity for somebody to, to change locations, even just within this town. Right. And, and purchase huge. repeatedly. And, you know, what Mark's talking about is a socially responsible retail uh, yeah. business that's selling a product when enjoyed in moderation. Which is, it's part of our culture. It's part of our it's, culture, It is. Right. It's, it's... So let's go back to retail marijuana for a second. I was just yeah. explaining to you that when you go into a retail marijuana establishment as it exists now, you give your license before you go in. They scan the license. They then, you then go into the door, you go around the corner, they give you, they, they look at your license one more time to make sure the same person entered the business. Once you're shopping in the establishment, your cell phone is to be in the off position. You're not to take any images, you know, you're texting your friends, hey, they got the latest here or the greatest there, or whatever. They limit any sort of outside exposure to what they have inside the store. And once you go up and place your order, you give your license yet again, and you pay, in this case, only cash because it's federally not legal, and then out the door you go. But it's extremely controlled. No children either, correct? And no right. underage people whatsoever. Right. So you're 21 or you get gain no admittance no license, no admittance, no admittance, not even to browse. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I see the parallel is just striking to me. This sounds like more like a liquor store was when I was a kid where your parents didn't take you in. We all have that experience right. in common. Right. Your parents, you know, going to the package store is what we call it. My mm -hmm. dad would go to the packy, the packy yeah. right <laughs> down the packy. My father would go, he would buy whatever he's buying, it would come back in a brown bag. We'd never go as kids. We weren't permitted in the store. I mean, I I don't ever remember going to a liquor store with my dad. And then they would put it away, and it was almost, I didn't see it as taboo. I just, I just wasn't, again, exposed to it. All right. And the cannabis thing is interesting because the trend is, like you said, more people are going to cannabis than alcohol. So alcohol sales are going down. Mm. But we're looking at, you know, keep opening up and expanding, expanding, expanding to unlimited when the, the trend is it's going down. So there's really no need to, you know, call for that. Mm. So the, the other thing on cannabis I find interesting, and I can tell you firsthand, a lot of people, when they're shopping, smell of cannabis. Yeah. Mm. It's so not a pleasant a smell, talk. by the way. Yeah, well, well. Uh, to me, there's, there's a lot of talk where why should I serve that person if they're under the influence of cannabis? I know they've been smoking. So there's a there's a kind of a, a thing that we're dealing with now is should I serve this person alcohol if they're already you can obviously tell they're smoking cannabis. So there's a lot of, you know, things like that. That is if someone went into a supermarket and was like that, would anybody notice Good point. Those type Only of the Cheetos salesman. Yeah, yeah. The snack food section. <laughs> I want to remind everybody, we are speaking with Mark Lindsay, the proprietor of Franklin Liquors. We're talking about Massachusetts Question 3, which that you'll be able to vote on November 8th. It involves changes to alcohol retail licensing initiative. And I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen. We're on Safe Radio. Anybody reading this is going to have one heck of a time understanding mm. why even bother voting on it, let alone, you know, it just doesn't look, again, transparent enough to me as to why a yes or why a no. It's not worded. Yeah, it's a convenience word in there 
I think throws people off yeah. because if you truly want, if you think convenience is unlimited licenses, you would vote no. Right. But if you want safe convenience, you vote yes. So which, which is what you're advocating. Mark Lindsay's been in this business for how many years? A family owned since 1978. 1978. So, so you know something about the retail liquor, beer, and wine arena. Uh, uh, and I grew arena. up there. When yeah. I was a kid, people think, well, that's strange. But yeah. my family had to take me to the store because they had to run the store. So I grew up in it. So I, I think I learned to respect it because I've yeah. seen some things. But I, just briefly, can we get back please, to please. your <laughs> point you made about the liquor ads. I don't know if you've noticed this, but here's something else that's getting out of control. There's now uh, hard liquor ads on TV. Remember years ago you couldn't show whiskey, I rum? Do. Yeah. Now they're at the point you're seeing more than that than beer or wine, right? I do. And they're at the point where they're drinking it, where before it was unwritten. Yeah, you, you weren't allowed drink to. That's the right. On the TV, yeah. right? So little things like that is where we're getting away from controlling alcohol. Which is completely counter to the increase in prevention efforts, the increase in community coalitions, the increase in police efforts, the increase in schools understanding social emotional learning and trying to understand the mechanisms behind what make young the youngest among us want to self-medicate. I mean, so we're doing two things going in opposite directions. We're trying to increase our prevention and we're increasing the exposure. It's it's really crazy. It is, and sort of it, almost an unwillingness to su- provide the support necessary, other than groups like Safe. But you know, mental health services, um, uh, services for those who are living with the disease of alcoholism, and and its communities have to be invested in that as well. Put money there to support and 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 deal with these kind of issues. As the more we see exposure to substances and and all of this, we're seeing not an increase in. <laughs> you know, support for mental health and, and for dealing with people who can handle substances or it's it's destroying their lives and we're not doing enough there, you know, as, as a community, as, as a nation. And, uh, You're so right. Can I ask you both on that Please. point, can I ask you both, has any town or state official ever come to SAFE and said or asked, what do you think of of this particularly say maybe this bill never or expansion of license or town or giving a license to a supermarket versus a why don't if they've never why don't they ask organizations like yours who deal with issues if there's an issue thank you for bringing that up yeah. and and it's yeah. something that frustrates me the only time i've ever been asked on any issue at all has been by jeff roy our mm-hmm. state rep who had me up to testify on the mar- mm-hmm. before marijuana was legal on my personal experience having had uh, a son that was impacted um, but other than that and other than other than Jeff will will do that I've had never had anybody a town council member or anybody and that's not to slam the town of Franklin no, no. it's just it's, it's, it's just widely yeah it's education yeah. right I think it's a perception thing it's it's um uh, it's a lack of connecting the dots, and, and people are very busy. And I'll admit, until you called me, I had no idea that the question three would in any way impact what it is that we're doing. And now I see a direct link. So it's um, my que- I have a question for you. How does this come to a ballot question? This seems like it's something that should be legislated and not There's so put many up to things. voters. And you mentioned I worked with Jeff on a, a lot of issues that he listens to me. And there's so many things at that level 
where they're looking at, for instance, nips. There's this whole thing about mm. the miniatures. It's bad because people see them on the street. So there's legislation to ban them. There's legislation to, to, to put a deposit on them. All things being worked. But you have to think about the power in the state. It's a three-tier system. So there's a wholesaler that I buy from who's very powerful. There's only so many within the state. They have their own agenda and things they want to block, things they want to pass. Then you have the rest, I mean, the supermarket industry, very powerful. They have their agenda. You have the convenience store industry. So they're all putting these things, trying to get them passed. But the one who basically wins out and gets it on the ballot is is kind of the ultimate winner, right? We have to decide now, do we want this or do we want something else to come out? Because yeah. it will be other things coming up it never ends you know and the only person that's come to me consistently over the past since we've been around seven years has been mark Lindsay. Mm -hmm. hey do you want to do a show on you name it yeah. underage underage by he's come to me at least three or four times and i find that very interesting from somebody who's in the business and sees it firsthand so i just i wanted to say that mark because i appreciate it number one now more than ever and Number two, I think it points exactly to what he's talking about, because I don't think Mark's alone. I think small retailers, in this case a family business for a generation, but small retailers have an eye towards responsible retail sales. And, and what I like is knowing that there's somebody like Mark and hopefully others in our community that are selling alcohol that way, because I want to be in a community where somebody has a mind towards protecting safety. I want to be in a community that keeps 12 cases of beer out of Dean College and possibly out of 18-year-old hands that are going to be encouraged to do funnelators and possibly wind up as the next statistic. I want to be in a community where somebody says to maybe one of my relatives, hey, if this is the third time you've been in here today. We're going mm -hmm. to call it call it for you today maybe maybe there's another option for but, you but don't you when i think about it too um, we've been hearing a lot about it elections have consequences and when you think about you always have to look at the money that's behind these initiatives and you look at who's funding you know who's getting access to our legislators where is that money coming from you look at the lobbying of these big businesses and what they're doing and impacting politicians we have to look for the people that are looking out for the public good, you know, that, that care enough about, you know, not the big bucks, or, but, but want to be responsible. Just like you said, Jim, we have to be responsible to the people in our community, especially our young people. And um, that's where you've got to follow the money and elect the right people and, and, and do right at the ballot box by, you know, voting for the... Can I follow up on that? Yes. Please do, yeah. Because talking about big money, you may have noticed that there is a no com vote no commercial airing now. There's no vote yes commercial yet. I hope there will be. But the vote no has about $2 million behind it. And it's actually the Total Wine chain. Uh, if people aren't familiar with Total Wine, they own probably 200-something stores in 20-something states in the United States. They currently have maybe seven licenses in mass. Why would they say vote no? They don't want, in this, in this vote, we would limit full liquor licenses to seven. They want more than seven. So they're telling you to vote no, so they would in turn get what they want. 
and more licenses. They want multiple stores in the state. So it's funny because in the commercial, they show a small liquor store saying this is, small, this is bad convenience for, for the customers. But they're a huge chain taking the small point view and showing it to you to make you feel sad and say, yeah, I want it. So manipulative, so manipulative, Mark. And that's what we have to look at the small print. Who is funding these? And we have to be as voters. We have to look at the source of it, right? We have to because those ads are so deceptive. And they try to make it look like it's the, you know, the common person that this is good for. And and some of them are so deceptive, right? And, Right. and, And can be so, we can be so easy, easily manipulated unless we look to see, who the heck yeah. is sponsoring this? And if I this? wasn't in the industry knowing who sponsored that ad, I would I would say I would vote no. Right. Because I'm saying, yeah, I want convenience. I, I want to support the small guy, but it's not backed by the small guy. There you Again, go. Again, the, uh, the devil's in the details. So, Mark, break it down real quickly for us because I want to make sure that uh, from your mm-hmm. perspective, as a, as a coalition, we're prohibited from making political stands. I can't advocate either way, but I do want to give our expert – resident expert an opportunity to weigh in so uh, where would you suggest how would you suggest people vote I suggest yes based on I want controlled expansion which would which would limit unlimited expansion but if you're a consumer who feels you we're living in a convenient world and you want convenience and be able to find or see bear wine liquor everywhere then you would vote no and hope that it comes back, that we have an unlimited vote coming up. But I think you should think of, like you, Jim has said, the community, exposure, control. Take advantage now where we get the chance to say yes, and let's put a number to it and, and cap it off and control it and prevent unlimited. I, I know that the, the Retail Package Store Association appears to be behind a no vote on this, right? Um, but what about your local competitors people you talk to around town in your chamber yeah that's the sad thing it we're in an industry where i think a lot of and i had this issue on the state level when there's a state issue uh, people don't understand it so they don't really bond but it's also at the town level when there's something comes up in the town all the store owners don't get together and and say we should look at this as as a town which is sad i reach out to people all the time and say, hey, we got an issue coming up. Let's fight it. Let's band together. It doesn't happen. That's too and bad. It's sad. And th- that brings back the point I-, I was asking you about, does anyone ask you when a license comes up? Why does the police, the fire, the health check off? And they always check off. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine with me. Why don't they go to, if we're a town that holds AA meetings, why not go to them? Why not go to SAFE? What do you think, as a community, we're looking at expanding this, or we're looking at giving this person a license? It's near a school. Any issue? Have mm-hmm. you seen any statistics on that? We don't look at that. And it's just a quick, let's vote yes, let's approve it, let's accept it, and that's it. Looking at it from someone who's in the industry, and, and I was talking earlier with you off, off air that my wife tells me I'm saying this stuff because I'm in the business. And... I take it like I need opinions like yours to tell me, am I right or am I wrong when I'm looking at things like this? Well, I can, I can, we, and as an educator, you've told me all along about the impact of, of porn, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the impact of messaging. Uh, we looked at social media. We had a critical conversation through the Substance Abuse Task Force on, on uh, social media, which is, again, about exposure. 
So when you bring up the word exposure, I see Ann's eyes go wide mm-hmm. in agreement, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And I know Absolutely. as a as as someone who's witnessed this, you bring up a really really foundational point, and that is looking at this holistically. You know, this is an ecosystem we have here, right? That's yeah. all connected. It's all interconnected. You bring up AA. You bring up the Safe Coalition. You bring up schools. You can bring up uh, uh, the Beer and Wine Club of Franklin. You know, there's all sorts of competing interests. There's restaurants. They, they, I know part of the, the process, right, for approval is saturation, right, in terms of how, how many licenses are within proximity. You can't or, even use that anymore. Okay, you can't. You okay. Can't. But there's, there's certain there's metrics there's that people use. That show, there's studies that show if there's too many licenses within the same space, it increases alcohol consumption. You're giving more places to buy. Mm-hmm. It increases mm-hmm. alcohol consumption. There's, there's medical journals about exposure for children. The CDC has a whole article about uh, the marketing and what they're seeing, and it, it definitely leads to more drinking. So why don't we look at that? Why, when you present that, does it not matter? It's so sad to me when you go through an economically disadvantaged area and on every single corner is a retail liquor store, yet I can't find a supermarket, you know? Right. Um, I think what you're talking about is a holistic approach to looking at this whole ecosystem and, and making sure all stakeholders are accounted for. So police, fire, beer and wine clubs, you know, everybody. It's a big tent. Uh, parents, um, listen— Every May, we've got a car sitting up in front of the high school in every community in the, in the, not only the Commonwealth, but in the country, showing people the impact of underage drinking. Yet we're not going to take the time to properly disseminate question three. We're not going to take the time to ask all the stakeholders whether or not it's a good idea. You're right. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And I think it's because of a lack of understanding. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's an education thing there with the younger generation, too. We're talking about ex- exposure and seeing liquor ads. The 21, 22-year-old drinkers right now, from experience, they're buying liquor. And they're not buying the 60-proof, the 30-proof, the 80-proof. They're buying the 100-proof liquor. So why is that happening? What, what has exposed them to think they have to start drinking and they don't start with a beer or a wine? They go right to the top level of liquor. And that is something I think we need to educate people on, the younger people. All right, you you want to start exploring beer, wine, or liquor, understand that there's levels of alcohol in here and the effect on you. Yeah, I was just going to say one of the things that we're seeing, though, is is as kids become, again, this is having to do with social media, um, less connected and less able to communicate um, with each other without alcohol, that we're finding it becomes a social lubricant. And kids, particularly at college-age kids, are drinking very, very heavily um, because it allows them to communicate. Unfortunately, then we look at the risks that kids who are drinking these high you know, volumes of alcohol, sexual assaults are just skyrocketing. Um, we're seeing that. and it's. But a lot of it is because they're so socially ill at ease that they need alcohol in order to be part of a group. They cannot, can no longer, I'm generalizing, of course, not everybody, but generalizing that kids are having a much more difficult time not being overly um, lubricated in order to communicate with each other. And it's another commentary on 
you know, the need for more of the social skills and things that we need to be doing in school. So it, it speaks to that a bit, you know, so. I think that whole thing where generational now, people don't think it's bad to buy for their kids or give it to them at parties and stuff like that. Where yeah. In the past, if, if in our generation, our parents wouldn't have bought us booze. Never in a million right? years. Do you and, think, that, is that still happening? Though? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. happening I thought, a lot. I yeah. thought, I thought that was going away because people understand they could be sued. I guess no one ever and, really does get sued. For- you'd be surprised they'll outright say that. You know, um, my, my daughters have people over. I'm going to just get this. Like, why? Why would you risk Wow. It, it does get down to the kids putting pressure on their parents to, to yield mm-hmm. to their need to have their fun. Uh, we hear parents, I hear, I talk to sure. parents all the time. They ask me whether or not it's okay to dose their kids on marijuana because the kids won't stop smoking marijuana. So my question is, and these are 14 to 16 year olds. I do see movement away from a firm line on this towards a permissive environment. Um, and we've seen it increasing in an increasing uh, degree, a very alarming degree. I know the schools report that as well. Um, and so my question is, when you know that you have a substance, alcohol, that on an underage basis will significantly impact mm-hmm. the developing brain, possibly have them wrap their car around mm-hmm. a tree, mm-hmm. why are we loosening the environment for those that are selling it, number one, and possibly putting it into hands that, um, that aren't as responsible as what Mark's talking about to, to sell it? And two, why are we increasing the exposure to make it more attractive to, to go out there Absolutely. and drink? Yeah. And you're right, Mark. I, we see uh, alcohol poisoning going up dramatically, and it's because they reach first for that 100 proof. It's cool to do jello shots. Jello shots aren't made with wine. Right. You know, um, so you make a very, very compelling case. And again, I, I know I'm a broken record here, but. It's very interesting to me that we have a liquor retailer, you know, a beer and wine liquor retailer who's looking for a holistic approach. Absolutely. You know, who's looking at the whole system here and saying, yeah, let's ask all the stakeholders as opposed to people that are actually issuing the licenses. And there's no requirement for them to do that. But it just seems like a much more socially responsible view. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope, like, we were talking about the cigarettes, but we saw they made stores remove cigarettes that sold health products or prescriptions, but we're going the opposite way with alcohol, which is we saw that the cigarette campaign worked, right? We had to remove it from more stores because, for instance, CVS, they sold uh, a pharmacy. They couldn't sell, sell cigarettes. Shaw's, who has a pharmacy, can't sell cigarettes. And we probably dropped cigarettes being purchased or abused Maybe they went to marijuana, but... They've gone to vaping. Yeah. Well, in that, they kind of took, you know, control over too. But if we had the same kind of thoughts on alcohol... That's right. We would probably see a huge change. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Mark. Uh, it's kind of a... It's a strange environment we, 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 um, we find ourselves in. So, again, our resident expert mm-hmm. recommends a vote yes, yes on question... Three, Mark. If if somebody wanted to talk to you about this, clearly you can come into the store and have a conversation with you. Um, you're always there. But I'm also curious about what your view is on other non-question three issues. Do you see an increased attempt 
at underage consumption right now through your store or has have the controls that you have in place stuck at the stuck the needle going the other way i see a lot of attack i'll give you uh, an example i caught a, a uh, well, you can kind of tell when people can how they're acting. They're on yeah. their phone. They want to try to distract you. We've seen we've seen it all, right? <laughs> so, a young girl comes in, or young woman walks around joking, saying hi, whatever. Ask for ID. Oh, I don't have it, but my brother has it. Now, first off, she's underage. We wouldn't sell to him anyway because she's in the car. Mm-hmm. He's probably not his real brother or sister. But this gentleman comes in, asking for his license. He gives it to me. I look at it. He's I think he was 19 or 18 because he had the vertical license. I said, you're the drinking age is 21. Oh, yeah. Like, no fear whatsoever. <laughs> That's bizarre. I mean, when I was a kid, if anyone tried to buy a single beer with six guys, you would be totally afraid. People are not afraid. These younger generation are not afraid to try to buy, to tr- and think nothing of it with the risk I could have honestly called the police and had him mm-hmm. in trouble, right, for, for trying to of underage course. buy. Yeah. But it's things like that that people don't understand. The, the kids are so exposed, mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. afraid of it. They think there's nothing wrong maybe with it. Do you see, I'm just curious, if you see opportunities, you're a dad, um, do you see opportunities where you say to yourself, boy, I'll tell you what, if, if I was this parent, I would do X to limit what they're doing right now yeah and i mean you try to i try to say things i just had an instance on the night where uh, out of state license i asked them outright are you a dean student yeah i said i will not sell to you because you go to dean and i was confronted where you know there's times where people want to call the police and i can refuse to sell no the the, the consumer himself got it okay we have we can deny anybody. If I know someone is an alcoholic, I could say I'm not selling to you. I had parents come to me of older people saying, you know, my son comes in here, this is what he looks like, show me pictures. And I'll probably know and I'll say, I'll help you any way I can. Oh. But how many stores would do that? That's right. How many That's stores right. would know they recognize that person and say? So they come in, I'll say, I'm sorry, you know, I'm I'm not gonna serve you today. And I, I've done that. Because someone had told me, but if if they didn't come to me, you know, a relative, uh, you know, and people have actually turned us into the state saying this store sold my alcoholic relative booze and we don't want to. That's not against the law, but to go to the state level, you know, and, and that's one thing I always try to push to the town. You have to think there's a good amount of people who are totally disgusted with alcohol, the product they want nothing to do with. And in a case in point on this is, I used to put famous quotes, wine quotes, on my billboard. And I put a Plato quote, uh, wine fills your heart with courage, or some, something to that nature. Yeah. And to me, it was a reflection of myself being able to leave my career wine brought me courage to change my, you know, it was personal to me. Yeah. I got a call from the town board of health saying that I'm false advertising because someone had someone who had an abuse issue Mm -hmm. who took offense to saying wine was good for you. And it made me think, you know, I understand that. But I said the town then, she wasn't happy that the town told them I didn't have to take it down. 
she turned me into the state. But things like that get me thinking what I'm doing to impact. Because people, there are a lot of people, for good reasons, don't like alcohol. So I think that's what gives me the passion to want to educate people about alcohol and to put things out there why expansion. Mm-hmm. You know, we had this whole issue with prohibition. We, you know, we got out of control. They said, all right, we're going to ban alcohol, right? And then when it came out of prohibition, they said, we need to control this better. Either the state controls it or you have a distribution system. And that was the, that was the goal, to control it, right? That was always the goal. And we've totally gotten back to we're almost prohibition now. When it's Boy, uh, and, and if you think exposure isn't a problem, then why is Mark getting a call from the Board of Health over a sign? Yeah. Because... It does matter what we say. It does matter what we're exposing people to. Imagine Messaging that person going into matters. a supermarket every day and, and exactly. have to see it. Yeah. You have a problem and you can't shop right. and buy your staples without seeing it. That's a great, that's a, that is a wonderful point. People in early recovery uh, uh, from alcohol, I mean, it's, it's a very, I mean, I can only imagine not being an alcoholic, what it would be like not to be able to buy a loaf of bread without walking by the Budweiser. The Budweiser yeah. was killing me for X period of time. Handing you a sample instead of a sausage, they're handing you a beer or yeah. a wine. Yeah. It's very intimidating, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. To me, it's sad. It's, it's too much. And I bring this issue up you know, with the town a lot that why should I walk into a store and see beer and wine stored everywhere when their license is... For an aisle, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, you know, Jen uh, Knight Levine would would not be happy with you, either of us in if we didn't mention the fact that uh, modeling behavior at home is also important. Yeah, and what she sees uh, working with adolescent, um, we do a lot of adole- adolescent wellness programming uh, in her interviewing young people. Uh, it it's the way we treat alcohol in our homes. Are we drinking? Like college, you know, like we're on uh, spring break at home, going to a Jimmy Buffett concert, doing shots in our front yard with our friends, with our kids watching us has an impact on them. And, and, and again, it gets back to exposure. What, how are you exposing your kids? What is the message behind your relationship with alcohol that these kids are picking up? If your relationship is that it's spring break every weekend, well, guess what? Don't be surprised when your kids are binge drinking and, uh, and, and suffering from harmful consequences. And the other par- point, part of that as well is that it's um, so often we hear a parent comes home from work and says, oh, I'm so stressed. What do they reach for? So kids to soothe their own stress and are, are soothing themselves with it because yeah. they watch their parents. Instead of a parent saying, I'm feeling stressed, I'm going to go out for a walk right. now, what we model is I'm going to reach for alcohol. And, and the kids see that and they say, okay, that's how they handle stress. Right, that's exactly. how I, when I have a, an exam to come, I'm going to take a pill or I'm going to drink something because they're under so much stress. And they watch their parents and that's exactly it. And in the spirit yeah. of full disclosure, um, I'm someone who learned that lesson mm-hmm. through Jen Knight Levine. Um, my relationship with alcohol when I, as, a, as the kids were growing up, I didn't do the best modeling. Um, I'm here to admit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've changed my behavior. In fact, I recently, no, sorry, Mark, but no. you do sell non-alcoholic beverages. That's right. That's <laughs> so right. I, I recently stopped drinking uh, just because I got sick of it. But the, the whole thing about this people that stop drinking, the whole trend is that's being very popular, non-alcoholic drinks. So why more? Why put it out more? And just to, to say, we're talking exposure, but I'll give you my example how 
I was exposed as a child working. Well, I wasn't physically working. I was just hanging out at the store. Sure. But I think my exposure in that environment helped me to realize that this, this is an issue because I saw mm. abuse with people coming in at a young age. It made me respect alcohol. Yeah. And I think if you don't see the problems it can cause, you don't respect it. So once again, Mark, I want to sum up that our resident expert says mm-hmm. vote Yes. Vote yes, vote yes on question three and help limit uh, exposure to al- to uh, alcoholic beverages in retail in- environments. Um, I encourage you to get down to Franklin Liquors and have a conversation with Mark or Mike or and any of the staff there. Um, first of all, I've been a customer for I don't know how many years, but um, uh, the great guys. And and the other thing that I really encourage people to do is tune in. Two, the wonderful world of wine, which can be heard every Wednesday at 10, 1, and 7. 10, 1, and 7 o'clock. It's also podcasted. The wonderful world of wine can be found on any of your favorite podcast uh, delivery sites, platforms, Apple, Spotify, you name it. It's a great, it really is a great mm-hmm. show, Mark. And you do often talk about the responsible use of alcohol. I think it's fascinating. I love that show. It is a good show. It's a a great program. So for our guest, Mark Lindsay, and my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen, I'm Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Safe Radio, and we will see you next week. Mm